Thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us through your word, by your spirit. That we could know you in all of these ways. We could see the names you called yourself that reveal your character over and over and over. The vast character of God. God, if we had a thousand lifetimes, we would never know all of who you are. But today, would you reveal part of you? Would you lead and guide us into truth, into more of who you are? Would you allow who you are to shape who we are, people made in your image? As you reveal your character, would you show us once again how to live? Because we want to look more and more like you. We thank you. Thank you, Spirit of God, for guiding us into all truth. We need you. In your precious name, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Kids, thank you so much for being here. We're going to send you out to Kids Church. It is awesome, as you can tell, because they want to go. Um, but we have big holes in our kids' ministry team, which is why we do not have preteens for the summer. It was just too much. We have three of us, and two of us are on this stage often. And so it was just really hard to schedule preteens this summer. So preteens will be in with kids. But parents, if you've not yet checked your kids in with our system, please do. It helps us keep your kids safe. Make sure they go home with you, but also make sure that they're safe in this building if they are not with you. Well, I said it before, but welcome to August, which is basically fall. You can fight me on it, but it's true. It's basically fall, and I'm ready for it. I have my first decoration up, even though people said no. The overwhelming consensus on the poll was July is too early to decorate for Christmas. But I found this really cute football-looking thing at Michael's. It said it's not fall without football. And because Lucas puts up with our house, which is like, 70% coastal and 20% Disney, uh, I figured he deserved one decoration. One, only one, that's football. And because it's almost fall, or it is fall, because August is fall, it's like basically Christmas, right? Yeah. How many of you have started your Christmas shopping? Good job, my people, my people. Christmas is wonderful, we're gonna be talking about Christmas today. I know last year when I said that we got to start our Christmas series in October, that that was like monumental, but no, today we're going to talk about Christmas in August, and this is a good day. Well, Christmas is wonderful. If it were up to me, it would have the whole year. Like, why put the Christmas tree away? I love listening to Christmas music year-round. Like, if you need a little boost of joy in your day, Christmas music. Or those really cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. There is no time limit on those. It could be like the hottest day of the year and it is time for a Christmas movie. Christmas is wonderful, but there is a sweet spot on Christmas. It only lasts for a few years. It is Christmas with little kids, right? Christmas with little kids, it just hits different. 
Christmas with little kids is the sweet spot of all Christmases. There is something so wonderful when their eyes just light up with the magic of everything around them. Like everything is amazing. You put lights on the Christmas tree and they're like, oh, this is amazing. Christmas with little kids is just something special. And then you get to Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, if you do it the wrong way, but you get to Christmas morning, and what happens? These little kids that are just full of delight, and their eyes are just as big as saucers, get to see the gifts that are under the tree waiting for them. And they pull out this gift that you've wrapped with so much love and care that you've spent months finding because you started your Christmas shopping in the summer. And you've been waiting for them to open it up and the moment finally arrives and they take off the wrapping paper and the ribbon and the bows and they behold this gift and it is just amazing. Like when they say it's more blessed to give and receive, if you haven't given a gift to a child at Christmas, you don't understand. But if you have, you get it. Like Ethan used to open up every gift and with his like big brown eyes, he'd look up at whoever gave it to him and went, it's what I've always wanted. Like talk about payoff. E, this Christmas. And it was just this beautiful moment of the payoff of giving this gift to the kids. And then 20 minutes later, you know, it's coming, right? The gift is like in some corner somewhere. And what are they playing with? The box. The box, the wrapping paper, the bow, and all of this attention, all of this planning, all of this thought that you put into finding this perfect gift is out the window for like the next couple days. They'll pick the gift up again, don't worry, but it's going to be a while. But have you ever stopped to think about how much we're like that? We are so much like kids on Christmas morning with the gifts that God gives us. And we see this beautifully, intricately wrapped gift of a life. And inside of that light, inside of that box, the purpose of the life, the true gift of the life is that we would have a relationship with God. That we would be able to know God Almighty personally. And yet so often we get to Christmas morning and we unwrap this box and we open it up and we see this gift inside and we get so fixated on the box and the wrapping paper and the bow and the ribbon that we put the gift aside and concentrate on what it's wrapped in, the temporary things. All the while, this eternal thing is sitting in the corner begging for us to pay attention to it. And we come now in this Ephesians series that we're in, and we're in it all the way up until Christmas. So don't worry, this is not the start of our Christmas series. We've come to this point in Ephesians with these verses that we love to love. I mean, as soon as we read them, you're going to be like, I've heard that before. Because we love to love these verses. They are wonderful verses, full of hope and promise. They are verses that are so full of the character and the vastness of God. And you've probably written them out on a sticky note when you got into hard times in your life. And you've stuck them up so you can cling to them and remember them because they're that wonderful. But here's my warning for us. 
These are verses that are amazing. And they apply to every part of our life. They apply to the wrapping paper and the ribbon and the bows and the box. They apply to the temporary. But let's not make them only apply to the temporary. Because these verses also apply to the gift, the main thing. And we do a disservice to God and we think of him far too small if we take these verses out of context and we make them only about the temporary parts of our life. And he's able and concerned about them, but we're not going to cheapen the word of God, right? We're going to take it in its fullness. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig into Ephesians 3. So God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you promised us in your word that every good and perfect gift comes from you, the Father of lights. And so we do recognize that absolutely everything in our life is a gift. We recognize that the body that we inhabit right now, it's a gift from you. The people that we're sitting beside, they are gifts to us from you. The chairs we're sitting on, the breath that we breathe. The hobbies and the jobs that we have and, and the food in our pantry and the money in our bank accounts, all of it is a good and perfect gift from you. And while we look at that and we, we apply these verses to that, God, we thank you for the miracles that you do in our lives, for the provisions that you do, but would you help us to look beyond, beyond the things that are temporary to the thing that is eternal, our relationship with you? Would you help us not to get so caught up and consumed in the wrapping and the bows and the sparkly things under the Christmas tree that we forget the true gift that you, God Almighty, love us. And that Jesus, you made a way for us to have a relationship with God and through your spirit, Holy Spirit, you empower us to live this life in a way that honors you and draws us closer to you and reflects your glory to the world around us. Would you help us not to get so fixated on the temporary that we forget that? And so as we've already prayed, Holy Spirit, our spirit of truth, would you lead and guide us into all truth this morning? Would you make your word come alive for us? We know that you promise that your word is, is living and active, but only because your spirit guides us in knowing you through your word. So would you speak to us? Do you allow my own words to fade away? We want to hear your voice, Holy Spirit, in your precious name. Amen. Well, turn with me to Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. And let's read these together. If you don't have a Bible, but you would like a Bible, just find anybody with a blue uh, name tag after, or doesn't have their name on it, but a blue badge after service, and they would be happy to get you a Bible. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Right? You've heard it. These are verses we love to love. They are great verses. They are so wonderful. They remind us of the immeasurable ability of God of his infinite love and care for us. 
And I read these verses, and every time I read these verses, in fact, we had them like laminated and posted in every kids' ministry class in our old church. Every time we walked into those rooms and we were like struck with this verse right in front of our faces, we were reminded once again of how incredibly vast the character and the ability of God is and how small I often think of him. How often I underestimate God or I, I pull back and try to do things in my own strength when he is perfectly capable. Every time I would read these verses, I would be reminded of those places where my doubt would whisper, God can't tackle this. The places where my seemingly unanswered prayers of my past would, would whisper to my soul, God's not listening. Don't even bother those places where my fears would whisper, you know what, you're on your own. And every time I would look at these verses, I would be confronted again by how small I would have made God. And not just that, just reading these verses awakens something within me. It awakens this wonder of looking at these verses and going, wow, God can do more than I ask, he can do more than I can imagine. He's so incredible that the absolute extension, like the, the limits of what my brain could fathom of him fall short. The most ridiculous things that I can attribute to God being able to do of things like there's absolutely zero way. He can do it and more. And when I sit in front of these verses, I feel that wonder, that kid on Christmas morning wonder, start to stir in my spirit of wow, wow. And Ephesians tends to do that for me every time I read it. There was a, a period in our marriage where we read Ephesians every day for a month because there's something just incredible in sitting in these like foundational things. Like this is not new. That God is able to do anything, that's not new. But there's something that happens to us in life that dulls the reality of these truths. We start to superimpose our own lived-in experiences on the word of God. And we start not really to believe it. Like, we might do lip service to it, but we don't believe it. We don't truly believe that God would adopt us into his family. We don't truly believe that there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from the love of God. We might do lip service to it, but the wounds of life tend to do something in our spirit to dull it. And whenever I read Ephesians, I can feel the Spirit of God untangling my spirit with these lies and these hearts that I've picked up over the years and reawakening this wonder within me. It fills me with wonder, but it's also this reality check. Am I doing lip service to this? Do I really come to God 
with everything I'm facing? Or do I come to him as an afterthought? After I've tried a bit on my own, do I come to him at all? Do I believe, do I really believe that he is immeasurably able to do immeasurably more than I ask or imagine? Now first, let me give you a very It's a Wonderful Life moment because It's a Wonderful Life is an awful movie. And I will not, you can't change my mind. It's like 99% depressing. And so here's an It's a Wonderful Life moment. The cold hard facts of our world are it's broken. That shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus came to redeem the world because it needed redeeming. You don't redeem something that's working perfectly. It's broken. And we all sin. And every sin has these ripple out effects of consequences that go farther than you could ever imagine they go. They hurt people you never thought you would hurt. That's just how sin works. We have a countdown clock on our lives and on the world as a whole. And as the countdown clock continues to tick down to zero, it means that pain and loss and suffering and grief and death are going to be part of our story. And it chafes because that is not how it was supposed to be. Pretty well everything we know is not as it was supposed to be. It's not as God intended. Add to all of those things of just being broken, we have an enemy who is actively trying to hurt God. The only way that he can hurt God is by hurting God's creation. All of those things together are present in every life, and they show up in every story. And the danger is that we take all of those things together, and we think that what it means is that God wrapped our life to look like this. Right? That's the worst picture I can find. Like, people need to start posting better, like, awful rap jobs. And we can take all of those things together and we can bring them to a set of verses like this and say, you know what? Maybe God is able to do that in somebody else's story. Maybe he likes them more. I don't know. Maybe they pray better than me. But this is the kind of gift that God has given me for my life. It stinks. The life God has given me is full of hardship. The life God has given me is full of pain. The life God has given me, there's nothing that's past my imagination about it. In fact, it falls short. And the real and raw and broken things of my life can come up and they can butt up against verses like this and say, I don't really believe it. I don't really think that's how it works. Like maybe there's a God who's real, but if so, I don't believe he's good. Maybe there's a God who's real, but if so, he really doesn't care about my life. 
Let me remind you of a It's a Wonderful Life moment. Life sucks. It's broken. And there are going to be broken things that happen in a broken life that have nothing to do with God. It's like taking great Aunt Margie's re-gifted awful wool sweater. We've all had one of those gifts, right? Where you open it and you're like, school your face, school your face. Thank you, this is great, it's what I've always wanted. And taking that re-gifted sweater and being like, there's no point in opening up any of the other gifts. You know why? They are all gonna be this re-gifted, awful scratchy wool sweater. Now, number one, statistically, that's improbable. But number two, you wouldn't do that because you have common sense, right? You would know, classic Aunt Margie, giving us the wool sweater again, you would just know that that's Aunt Margie. And then you would open up the gifts under the tree from people who actually know you and delight in giving you good things. And you'd put aside the awful sweater and focus on the true gift of love and delight that's waiting for you under the tree. You wouldn't allow every gift to sit unopened because you think that they're all wool sweaters. That would be ridiculous. And yet, we so often do that with God. We go, well, this gift is awful. I don't want any of the others. I don't trust that you can give me good gifts because look at what you did. But he promises that he can do immeasurably more. And he's waiting for you to open up the gifts that are actually from him. Now, Lucas is an like, amazingly good gift giver. But here's the thing. Lucas gets me gifts that every time I open them, I go, huh. Like in the moment, I'm not excited. I'm like, this is a school your face moment of like, okay, sure. But here's the thing. Lucas knows me probably better than any other human being on the face of the earth knows me. And he knows what I'm actually going to delight in better than I actually do. There are moments where I've been like super excited. The box feels about the right weight for what I had asked for. And I go to open it and I look in. I have a how moment. And now to this day, I'm still using that gift and I still delight in it. And the time that I would have enjoyed the one I had actually asked for is long gone. And sometimes what we do is we look at these gifts that God gives us and we go, okay, this isn't what I asked for, God. Huh. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't anything that was on my Christmas wish list. And he goes, I know. But just wait. Just wait, because what I have for you, what I have thoughtfully prepared and purchased and wrapped and stuck under the tree for you, it's going to be more than anything you could ask or imagine. You just wait. 
You just wait. We have a God whose imagination and sovereignty are far greater than anything we could know, than anything we could ask for or imagine. That's what Ephesians 3 tells us. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his purpose, power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And he's the only one that can actually see it all because Colossians 1 tells us this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And I can just imagine God. Okay, do you, like, get excited wrapping your gifts? I do. I'm like, I just can't wait until they open this. And I can imagine God just sitting there, wrapping up this gift of a life that he's going to give to us, and going, I just can't wait until they open this. But you know what? One color of wrapping paper, how boring is that? You can put up the other Like, that is as creative as I could find. I just didn't do a very good Google search, maybe. But going, you know, one color of wrapping paper? No way. Just wait until they see what happens. When they step back at the end of their life and they see how I brought the whole thing together. Watch what I'm going to do with this rip from where the consequences of the sins of another have harmed them, just watch how I'm going to create this into a flourish. And I'm going to make something absolutely beautiful and artistic with it. I can just imagine God with so much delight picking out the pieces of our life that are going to come together in a way that we could never expect. Because God is creating a life for us that's for our good and his glory. And sometimes we want it the other way, for our glory. But because he's the only one who's able to create this life for us, he's the only one who deserves the glory. Jada Edwards posted this on Instagram this week. Trusting God's timing sometimes assumes that God agrees with your plan, but has a different timeline. Trusting God's way assumes that he might blow up the whole thing and do something completely unexpected or unexplainable, and it will be better than good. When we truly surrender, we're able to sincerely submit our desires, absent from subtle demands disguised as prayer. Are we willing to reignite the childlike wonder? Are we willing to trust bigger That God is not only able, because he is, but that he intimately cares about every facet of your life. But let's throw this back into context because, again, we aren't going to be people who just play with the box and the wrapping paper and the ribbon and the bow and leave the gift sitting to the side. So let's dive back into Ephesians. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... According to his power that's at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now these verses kind of cap off this section that Paul has been writing for us. So what is he able to do within us? Let's run this down from just Ephesians 3. And there's so much more in the other two chapters preceding this. To him who reveals the mystery of the will of God. To him who brought us to Christ Jesus. To him who allows us to approach God with freedom and confidence. To him who strengthens us with power through his glorious riches. To him who dwells in our hearts through faith. To him who roots us and establishes us in love. To him who gives us power to know the love of God. To him who fills us to the measure of the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but when I started to go back through Ephesians 3, I was like, oh man, it's so much better if it's not about our temporary life. If the God who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine is just like limited to the things he's promised to do in Ephesians 3, more than I could ask or imagine is an amazing gift. And I can't wait to dive into it. And if we just sit and play with the box, we're going to miss the beauty and the wonder of the gift. And I can imagine God going, I know I wrapped it up so good for you, don't you think? I wrapped it up with so much care and detail, and I'm so delighted that you love it. But it's temporary. Look in the box. It's temporary. Play with the gift. I get it. It's important to you. It's your bank account. It's important, but it's temporary. It's your body. It's important, but it's temporary. It's your job. It's important, but it's temporary. And I care enough to wrap it up with such dedication. I care enough to wrap it up with such detail, but it's temporary. Look at what's eternal And I read these verses and I feel that check in my spirit once again that how many of my prayers are about the box. How many of the things that I apply this verse to are about the wrapping paper? How many of the things I'm believing God for are about the bow? And what he says is I want to lead you deeper into a truth, into something that you can never get to on your own. I want to convince you of my love for you. I want to convince you of my permanent affection for you. I want to convince you of your adoption. And I look at the gift inside and I think too small of God. And why wouldn't I? Because I don't know about you, but I have an endless list of faults for myself. I look at my life and I remember every sin. Some of them keep me up at night going, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. Why would anyone love me? I know intimately how sick of myself I am. And how often I come before God and I'm like, I am here again asking for forgiveness for the exact same thing. When will your patience run out with me? 
Because my patience for myself, it's gone. I think it's easier to believe God for the temporary than it is for the eternal. Because the eternal means going down deep to the root of the lies, to the root of my brokenness, to the root of my sin, and taking it out and replacing it with truth that is so beyond imagination. I know that I'm not worthy of the love of an almighty God. Believing that is going to take a lifetime to understand and fathom. I know that I'm not worthy of the attention and presence of a holy God. I couldn't even stand in his presence on my own. His glory would be too much for me because I'm sinful and broken. And understanding that it's too much. It's going to take a lifetime of God doing something in me that I could never do on my own more than I ask or imagine. But that's what he promises us here. He's able to do more than we ask or imagine by his power at work within us. That through his spirit alone, he's able to empower us We'll be convinced of the love of God that we are set apart for a purpose, that we are redeemed, that we are welcomed into the most holy place of God Almighty, that we are wanted. In his power, he demolishes every stronghold in our life and allows us to hold the gift and know that in his eyes, not only are we worthy of holding it, but he wants us to. And what if the glory of the church in verse 21 is less about people who walk around because they have it all together and their wrapping paper's never been ripped and the bow is just so and they look really good in a pile under the Christmas tree. And what if it's less about the temporary and more about a group of people who are so convinced of the love of God we find in Ephesians 3 that they are so convinced that nothing could ever separate them from the love of God that they begin to live loved and they begin to love because they were loved first. And what if the glory of the God of the church is a people who understand completely that there is a God who is leaning in, a God who delights in them, a God who has picked out the perfect wrapping paper for their life, absolutely. But more than that, has offered them the gift of himself. And they open it wholeheartedly. Albert Barnes writes, the church was to be the instrument by which the glory of God would be shown. And it was by the church that his praise would be celebrated. Friends, let's not lessen the gift by only playing with the box. Do you remember that moment when you first encountered God's love for you? We can invite the worship team up. A couple of years ago, Lucas and I went away. You might remember it. We went away 
just after all the COVID restrictions were lifted and it was a very tense trip of many, many COVID tests. And we came home to Kaylee having picked up COVID at Brooks. So maybe that jogs your memory, it was fun. But there was something amazing that happened when we got away, just us, with no kids, to distract us, no work to busy us with, none of the other things that would typically see us here and there in our home, one person in the kitchen, one person doing laundry. You know how life goes? And all of a sudden, we were forced together for eight days. I'm exaggerating this. And something amazing happened. We remembered why we fell in love. We laughed together. We were silly together and we just played together. And we remembered who we were when we were teenagers and met, because we haven't changed that much. And it rekindled something within us. It reminded us of how deep our love is and not just our love, our like for each other. And sometimes I think life gets like that for us and God. And we become so busy and we become so jaded by the heart of life that we forget what it felt like when we first fell in love. We forget the wonder of holding that box and seeing it for the first time and opening it up and looking inside when our eyes were like saucers and we said, it's what I've always wanted. And that can only happen, it can only be rekindled within us. We can only have that faith of a child when we sit in the presence of God. When we spend time with him. And maybe you're here this morning and you're exploring faith or you come with a friend or a family member and you're like, I actually don't really know what you're talking about. I don't really get this whole Christmas morning thing. Or maybe you do and there's just this tug on your heart. It's because we have a God who loves you. We have a God who has put a gift under the tree with your name too. And he's been pursuing you. And he's been whispering his love and grace to your heart. And he's just been waiting with anticipation for the moment when you see and open that gift. There is a God who loved you so much that he proved it by going and dying on a cross to die a death that he didn't deserve, but we do. That brokenness that we talked about earlier, that sin that has the ripple effects, the consequences of every one of those selfish choices is that they require atonement, they require justice. God is a God of perfect justice, and when we hurt each other, we have to answer for that. And if we just hurt each other, it would be so easy. 
So we could just apologize and make it better, but it harms our relationship with God. And for that, there was only one answer. The only answer was that by his grace, he would pay the price on our behalf. And then by rising again, he dealt that final blow to death to remind us once and for all that this isn't the end. That's why we look at the wrapping paper and the bow and the box and we can say with confidence it's temporary because we believe there's a life after this. There's also a death after this. There's so much more waiting. There's eternity waiting for here and now. And the promise of this box is that we can spend that eternity with God. And if you feel that tugging on your spirit, that's God inviting you to open up this gift that he has for you. And it's so easy. You know, sometimes we make it really complicated, but it's not. It's just seeing this gift in the, the tree and going, God, I don't deserve to even hold it. Because I know that I've hurt others and I've hurt you and I've, I've done things out of my selfishness that hurt my, myself. I need you. And then we have to acknowledge that, that God is who he says he is. That if we believe that's true, that God is who he says he is in here, and Jesus Christ is God. And because he's God, he's the only one who could pay that on the cross for us. And if he's God and he's the only way, then we bring our brokenness to him and he's able to make it whole. He erases our sin. He begins to do this work in us to make us look more and more like him. But that's kind of the beauty and the, the difficulty of salvation is it costs us nothing because grace is free and it costs us everything because we have to surrender to Jesus. We have to follow him. We have to let him be in charge of our life from here on out. We have to choose to follow you have to choose to believe what he says, like this verse that can be so hard to take hold of. And we're just going to bow our heads for a moment. If you're here this morning, we just want to make this a safe place. And you, you, I haven't. I've never opened up this box, but I really would like to. I would like to have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just wave at me? Maybe wave long so I can do a quick scan of this room. Well, friends, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat of, of being the ones who've opened this box. Of being the ones who, who have beheld the grace of God. Let's not put the gift aside to focus on the temporary. Father God, I thank you that you are concerned with every part of our life, that you care, that you lean in. I thank you that you are a God who wraps our life up so beautifully, that you handpicked every part of it. And, and even those places where we don't understand, where your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are beyond our thoughts, even these places where 
You can do more than we could ask or imagine, and sometimes that means trusting you when it doesn't look like we want it to. I thank you that your end design, both by what you prepared for us and how you redeem the broken things in life, they are all good, and they're for your glory. And so would you convince us as we spend some time with you now and we we sing the words of this song, would you convince us of the gift inside the box? Would you rekindle that love within us of that first moment when we looked inside and our breath hitched and we felt love and we felt joy and we felt acceptance for that first time? that place where we knew that we were wanted, that place where all of the mistakes of our past were forgiven and washed away. Would you remind us of that? And not just remind us, but would you convince us? Would you do that work by your spirit at work within us? Would you do the work of uprooting the lies that we believed, the hurts that we've allowed to color our faith those things that have made it easy to think too small of you? Would you take those lies from us and replace them with your truth that you are able, that you love us, that you call us beloved ones, that you've adopted us into your family and allowed us to carry your name? that you want a relationship with us. Would you remind us of the permanency of your grace? Would you rekindle that first love in us? In your precious name, Jesus, would you stand with us? We're gonna sing this song to close.